Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana and I'm here with James Heathers. How you going, James? I am beautiful and special and pretty. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well, doing very well. Mm, you look you, you know, well. You know, we're in, we're in the midst of a, uh, of a, of a five-week uh, train driver strike. A train driver strike. And why yeah. are your train drivers on strike? Yeah, they, they want to get uh, more certification, more, more, more education. So they're, they're refusing to just stop. Wait, my wait, 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 wait. So hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Roll the socialist train back one station. They want more education? More training it, down when it comes to safety and just becoming better train drivers. They want, more, they want more train driver training. So That's they're going correct. on strike until they're offered the opportunity to become better train drivers. That's right. If there were more Norwegians, you know you bastards would be taking over the world, right? <laughs> There's only five million of this, here. You know where the, the, the tube goes on strike in London. You know what it is. Where's all me fucking money? Yeah, it's bit, Where's it's a bit all different. me money? I want money. I'm not driving trains till I get money. Apologies <laughs> for, to, to English people for that terrible impression uh, and vaguely racist imputation that your country is full of greedy, sweaty, awful people. <laughs> so we it's have this. Like train- he's giving me that look. He's giving me that look of James. I've told you several times to keep casual racism out of our science podcast. Yeah, we're trying to keep it to a minimum here. <laughs> <laughs> this is a but, man who, who won't even read out the racist nicknames he has, even though he loves those nicknames and they make him happy. <laughs> oh, mo- well, mo- so mo- moving right along to, to, to the train driver. So, yeah, it means... So, I, so, um, so science, hey? <laughs> <laughs> But it, it means that my, my commute to work is, is an extra half hour because I have to Ooh, drive. Uh, okay, so th- there was actually a point to that. So that's why I noticed your background doesn't have your office in it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm right. doing a, 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 few, a few more days at home um, while Mystery the solved. train drivers are hoping to get uh, to become better train drivers. So there, there you go. But it's we're not of, talking... Uh, kind of heartening. Do they have a point in this particular Norwegian industrial action? I don't know. People are generally supportive of any industrial action in here, here, here in Norway. Um, yes, I imagine it's something they don't generally do in a hurry. You don't think of uh, a particularly volatile labor no, market. It's 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 relatively um, it's more more common than Australia when it comes to industrial action. Um, the, okay. the, the doctors were, were were striking nurses. I'm not sure why. Um, the psychologists. Uh, they generally have a point. Oh, psychologists went on strike. Oh, yeah, where they, people they... people had to manufacture their own results. Well, <laughs> not 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 the uh, the uh, social psychologists, but the um, oh, I, I was at a, I was at a... that that I do believe I'm I'm catching up on the American argot. I do believe that qualifies as throwing shade. Throwing throwing shade. I was at a seminar uh, a few weeks ago, and they were like, "Oh, we 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 apologize that uh, two of our speakers uh, are not going to be speaking um, because of the industrial action." They were part of the union, and they they weren't working that day. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's that good. Was, um, general, yes. I generally find things like this because it doesn't directly when you know obviously when it directly affects you, it's problematic. But in the absence of that, generally, I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> well, yeah, a, a lot of angry commuters, and it is a bit of a pain in the ass. So, uh, I, yeah, but, I mean, it, it, it would be, and you know, yeah. not everyone has the same sense of humor. I realize that, and people have got 
jobs that need to be done, children that need to be picked up from daycare. Yeah, that that, that, shops that we, we, we can be attended. And... We can we can deal with it, but other people can't. But we are not talking trains today. We are talking Scandinavia. Um, in that we are talking of a, yes. a new Sweden. A new... Sweden counts, right? Sweden is Scandinavia. It's only an hour from here, across the across the border. And but why don't uh, you ever talk... go then? Is it because it's I... awful? I, I go there regularly. I go there for, for some of the life essentials: uh, beer, uh, meat, and cheese. Could you be Much slightly more Australian, please, Daniel? <laughs> it's um, it's fantastic. I need me so, life I, essentials. I go to Sweden for me tuis new. <laughs> for me tuis. Uh, what, what, um, what beer do you get in Sweden? Uh, oh, what do we German? get? Is yeah, it's the, the, they got they got heaps of, heaps of stuff down there. Probably just some some of the local some of the local ales. It's um and some of the mm. sort of more lagers. It's good stuff. There's some there's some very good fancy breweries all over Scandinavia. I don't know a lot of Swedish ones, but well, that's what it is. Anyway, look yeah. why why are they specifically relevant? Let's not get off track before we get off track. Okay, so we we are talking about this new study which has come out in JAMA Psychiatry. Yes. Now this this one caught my eye firstly because it was a uh, a heart rate study which is mm-hmm. uh, which has come out in one of the one of the big psychiatry journals, which doesn't happen every day. And um, no, and generally if they do, it's some rat shit promulgated by some kind <laughs> of research criminal like you. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was this time it wasn't me. It was these um th- these uh these researchers that were looking at um the association of resting heart rate and blood pressure in mm-hmm. late adolescence. So these were basically all eighteen year olds, and mm. looking at subse- the development of subsequent uh, mental disorders. And um they had uh, a million participants. That's uh, not strictly true. Um, you've also skipped over the point where people might wonder why it was possible to do this study in the first place. I was, I was getting there. I was getting there. Well, it's the wrong way round. Do it the right way round. All Jesus, right. Well, man. you, you, you do it then. You do it then. Okay. What happens to everyone in the Swedens when yeah. they turn eighteen? They get unless you're uh... actually missing a limb or you suffer from some kind of terrible mental disorder. You do military conscription. That is true. At the Same age in Norway. of 18, 18 and a little bit a lot of the times. You turn 18 and then they come up with a date and they suck you in and they give you a physical right at the very start and then the government owns the data. Now, because the government is very good at keeping centralized records in general, but particularly good in Scandinavia because they have this thing called money and diligence. Ugh, weird. Uh, they keep all this data and they have an enormous conical pile of heart rate and blood pressure and it's not 1 million it was 1.8 million some mm. of the values are overlapping some of them were missing but in general they got everyone from the mid 60s till last year uh no early 2000 no, uh, 2013 no, t- 2013 yeah. okay um yes register based follow up data available to the end of 2013 so because when you when you have uh, various diagnoses that are easy to spot, and obviously there's some kind of central register where you can find we can find information from the total population register and conscription register to identify people, bloody blah, mm. emigration, 
psychiatric disorders. The National Patient Register contains information about all psychiatric inpatient admissions in Sweden since 1973 and all outpatient treatments since 2001. Holy balls on high. In Incredible. other words, yes. It's, it is, uh, if, if the rest of the world was doing this, um, we, would be, we would be drowning in data. Like literally, there wouldn't be enough electrons to store all the numbers <laughs> that were necessary. So this is a particularly big study because it's of most Swedish men ever. Yeah. Well, not ever, since the 60s, which qualifies really as a, it's a, it's a, what I would call a colossal sample. And yeah. it's not a meta-analysis. It's an initial, we got the data, this is all the people analysis. It's not trying to aggregate other smaller broken effects in a convoluted, dishonest, and ridiculous manner. It is taking all of these things from scratch and doing basic comparisons on them. Now, what were they specifically looking for? Dan, you're the psychiatry guy. They, you they say, were looking- oh, I get it wrong. They, they, they were looking at the uh, the development of major psychiatric disorders later in life and uh, whether looking at heart rate or resting heart rate and blood pressure could actually... Well, in other words, what is the risk? Yeah. So, given your uh, particular um, heart rate or blood pressure, what is the risk of developing a psychiatric or a major psychiatric disorder later in life? And that was the main outcome there. Mm-hmm. So, what they found was, um, I mean, there's there's a few ways to look at this data, but basically, uh, one of the things they did was they separated it in, uh, separated the data into quintiles um, when it came to heart rate. Now, these uh, these quintiles were interesting because the high quintile is actually quite high. Um, So, the the first quintile was was 35 to 61 beats per minute. 35 is is, is quite low. And I actually had a look at the paper. It's quite low, is it? it, Well, there was was a good... If you're an elephant on quaaludes, (laughs) you have uh, a resting heart rate in the 30s. Like, uh, if you were a waking athlete, I Mm. would expect... I mean, that's probably the lowest heart rate of the entire history of Sweden. Well, but consider when you're actually collecting the entire population, you were yes. going to get there was about a thousand people they excluded because they were either had a heart rate below 35. When you're looking yes. at a million people, that's going to happen, or a heart rate above 145. Now, if you have a resting heart rate above 145, <laughs> it's probably it's probably an, either an artifact or it's some kind of electrocardiographic abnormality. Yeah, there's just there's just, so, there's just no the, the way. Thing. At some point in time, if your equipment's reasonably reliable, at some point in time, our normal concerns about ooh ooh, I hope you did your analysis neatly, are crushed under the sheer weight of comparisons. It starts yeah. to become much less important. So this is yeah. not a situation where you go, oh, I hope they did it right. Ah, uh, it doesn't really matter. Just the numbers, but <laughs> just a, look yeah. at. Looking at these quintiles, the first one, 35 to 61 beats per minute. Um, the second quintile was uh, 62 to 68. Yeah. Next one, yep. 69 to 74. Uh, yep. After that, 75 to 82. But the fifth quintile, which is the one which obviously there was the most increased risk, was mm-hmm. uh, was 83 to, to 145. Now, when you look at the data, they actually reported that these people in this top quintile um, had a, almost a 70% increased risk for OCD a 20% increased risk for schizophrenia, 
um, 18% increased risk for, for anxiety disorders. Now, um, this is also this is also over the amount of time. This is a lifetime incident. It's not within the next six months you suddenly start washing your hands frantically. This is the rest of their life they've been able to follow up on. Lifetime mm. incidents, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so that's huge. Yeah, so that was really, uh, was really, really big. And they also, um, what was really cool? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is I think think of the think of the the, the confounds here, um, a physical illness. So they yep. um, they obviously have that data, and they reran the tests, um, removing people with uh, with cardiovascular disease, and As they found you, a sim- yeah, sim- similar probably. result. Um, and they had something which, which is interesting, which I thought would have caught your eye, is that um, they actually had a uh, an exercise test with a cycle um, ergometer. Now, hmm. h- how is this when it comes to w- w- what do we get from this type of test? From a cycle ergometer, yeah. Uh, you the the basic thing that you measure is your individual heart rate versus the wattage output of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially your in one in in one sense, uh, coarsely, it's your cardiovascular efficiency. So it's a, it's a pretty pretty good measure. Fitness. Sorry. So 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 it's a pretty good measure. Um, it's perfectly standard uh, in all in all non ECG evaluations, and so unless you have to do a stress test or something like that. Uh, the bike is good because it doesn't shake everything around too much. Everyone knows how to pedal. It's all very straightforward. Um, it's very easy as well. That The ergometer design has been the same since the dawn of time had to set a wattage for people to work at. So you're going, here's 100 watts of work. Here's 200 watts of work. What happens to you? And we can calculate your VO2 max and your lactate threshold and all that normal good stuff. Uh, until we get into exercise-specific things like wind gates and other such nastiness like that, this is a, a, a very normal, frontline, common way of testing exercise capacity. Yeah, all, all participants. Uh, a massive subset. I think 1.3 million actually did this. So here, well, of course. You I mean, have... look, it's part of. It's probably part of the army physical, right? I mean, this is a long paper. Yeah. I can't see the details, but you're getting people in the army in the first place. If the if you're getting someone in, is a 120 kilos of cheesels and angriness. <laughs> you know, you're going to put him on the thing and go. Well, come on, Sven, pedal. And he'll go, I don't want to. And he'll, he'll do it very badly. And then that obviously affects whether or not you give him a desk job or if he has to go jumping over <laughs> barriers and shooting people. Well, so, I mean, but how cool is this? Like, typically you have these type of like uh, big population studies, um, yes. yet there's not, and the, the best they can do is, oh, you know, they, they gave us a measure of activity during the week. Self reported exercise or activity, yeah. Which yeah, is pretty he, common. It's the same as it's the same as this dietary studies where you go, how often do you think you eat meat? And you go, oh jeez, uh, three times a week. Yeah. Oh five. Look, I try and count. They go, no, I'll tell you what, we'll give you a, a diary. <laughs> Write it all down in the diary. And yeah, look, people are people are busy. People have their own agendas. People are forgetful. People are lazy. People are difficult. Uh, unless you actually take them and you grab them by the ears and you stick them in a place. And go eat all that shit. Um, you you start to lose measurement acuity real real fast. Uh, it was one of the best. I think it was in Denmark. This one they had everyone shop for the stuff they wanted at a free supermarket. 
and all they did to collect what they ate was just use the scan codes going through the, the thing. And then the only thing they had to do was report if they didn't eat stuff after that. But Actually, after that, yeah. you, you know how many hot dogs they've bought. You know how much bacon they have. You know how much rye bread and how much milk and eggs and kale and spirulina and whatever other nauseating shit people are into now. <laughs> it's all tallied up by the point of sale. So those are good ways of doing it. Dietary recall is bad. Uh, exercise recall is bad, but stick them on a bike, poke them with a stick, tell them to pedal a bit, infinitely okay. better. And they did that because they're getting people to join the military. So this is a very, this is a very good data set from a measurement perspective compared to other population health stuff is what you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah. so you have a really, really good measure and they, they tried these models, uh, look adding this, um, maximum wattage. So looking at a measure of fitness um, they also looked at um, different covariates like um, height, weight, body mass index, uh, cognitive ability, um, parental mm. immigrant status. Um, there is actually it's a well-known phenomenon, particularly in Scandinavia, um, that um, I- immigrants have uh, much poorer health outcomes compared to locals o- over and above socioeconomic factors. We don't know why. Um, they're much, much more likely to develop schizophrenia. Um, and it's, it's really, really interesting and we don't quite know schizophrenia. why. Schizophrenia? Yeah, and on all sorts of mental disorders. Um, well, they, like- they all, by definition, they all grew up elsewhere and then felt the need to leave. So- no, it's that it, they've they've covaried for for all, all all these things. Um, so it's yeah, it's people who have- yeah, they're, like they've covaried for all the things means they've covaried for all the things they thought of. I'm saying what the def what the thing is by definition what it is. That's what definition. That's that's what it is. That's what yeah. the people are. So yeah. they've they've thought of a ton of stuff. It's schizophrenia, which is very poorly understood still. We made some progress in the last few years, really. Um, so they've thought of everything that they've that comes immediately to mind, and they haven't found anything, so there's no covariates. Good attitude. We'll make a no, lot no, of progress no, no. with that attitude. Thanks, Dan. No, they've they've you <laughs> they've found this over and above the obvious covariates of did this person mm. are they are they, are they economic migrants or are they uh anyway. Uh, so they included that and cardiorespiratory um, fitness and they these models still fit. So there, there was a modest, mm-hmm. modest reductions of the risk ratios when you actually include this. So it looks like... Yeah, you know, it, when... didn't cha- it didn't change to the extent where I didn't even read this bit carefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, That's the ignore it. Ah, nothing changed. All right, nothing changed. Fine. I, I like, trust yeah, you it... and your 1.7 million data points, you psychos. Yeah. So that, that, was, um, that, that was quite impressive that you were able to have that... Um, over and above at least the the measured uh the measured covariates here um so yeah overall the actual um the the data set is just uh incredibly uh, incredibly impressive um so uh you know and then and but then but then here sort of things take a bit of a take a bit of a turn and um we i, I sent to you um there was a write-up in the daily mail um what, what was the uh what was the headline it was quite a um it was quite a hyperbolic headline why your why teenager why 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 your heartbeat (laughs) as a teenager could affect you late in life now this is not a newspaper that i read i know what it is obviously because Mm. i mean it's the daily mail who's responsible for the daily mail i don't know i mean who's who who do you go oh if it wasn't for that bastard then um you know who murdoch Oh, Murdoch. It's Murdoch paper. There you go. Yes. Um, Australia's great cancer. 
the great the great export. So he, yes, here we have our, the, the, our worst cultural export behind neighbors. Neighbors, hey, that that's how Rupert Murdoch is a, a huge a huge cancerous polyp <laughs> that somehow became a newspaper baron. So we have we have this this this, this headline here. I mean, I mean, to the credit of the researchers, when you're actually looking there, the researchers go, whoa, 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 like this. We 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 don't say this is causal whatsoever. Or we're saying that, that there's an association. Um, yes, when of you course. Actually... And yeah, we and, can and be that, very that... confident about that association because this study rocks balls. Yeah. Um, but then, but then the the authors start sort of going a bit more in depth um, and sort of attributing it more to the autonomic nervous system function, which is interesting mm-hmm. because we we know we know of course the ANS um, you know, influences heart rate, um, but um, but then what do we know about heart rate? In the sense that like you, there's not that much. We know it's it's both a combination of, of parasympathetic and sympathetic, and then they're sort of going into well, we know that resting heart rate is is you know mainly parasympathetic, so we think this is a parasympathetic thing. So that that's when things go a bit uh, a bit exploratory or a bit uh... yeah. Well, look, you have to you 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 put it in the context. Of this this is how I was thinking of it. Mm. You got a, uh, an eighteen year old kid who has their life experiences, who knows what they know, who's stuck in this reasonably alien environment, and someone in a white coat who doesn't like them very much has taken their blood pressure. Is it going to be just the people who walked in the door with congenitally high blood pressure, or is it going to be the people who are bad with authority, don't want to do military service, come from further away what's the predictor of the person in the context where the measurement is being made how do you control for that it's 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 pretty it's pretty difficult so the idea that you can just move back and go oh no the autonomics of the the almost child thing is doing etc maybe you could be think of it as a measure of stress reactivity for instance and I, I think that's that's really telling because when you look at the fifth quintile, which is the one which obviously has the um, highest hazard ratios, yes. um, eight, it's all eight... really about that fifth quintile. The top twenty percent of people who have strangely high heart rate or blood pressure at rest. Eighty-five, eighty-three to one forty-five. Eighty-three is pretty high. When yes. it comes to resting heart rate, so it is, my it is, my initial thing. Someone had an, yeah, someone with an experiment, and they had a resting heart rate of that. If they'd actually been sitting around and resting before you took the heart rate, and I'm going to assume that, seeing as they had the foresight to do all this, that they didn't let them run around the room and then immediately <laughs> take their heart rate. Let, let, let me put it this way: um, I very in, in in testing healthy controls, I very unusually rarely... high. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but when testing patients. This is yep. not an extremely unusual thing, yep. To see, so yep. but my... how much of that? How much of that is ooh ooh? The schizophrenia is doing an autonomics. How much is there some some pathetic low rent explanation like that? And how much <laughs> of it is patient anxiety due to context? So so you have that that and that was the first thing that came to mind. That's something that I've, I think I've spoken about before. Is hmm. that are these differences that we're seeing in heart rate and heart rate variability? Due to um, just resting state anxiety and well, situation. Well, you know, things. you know, the blood pressure equivalent of all this stuff has been studied for a very long time, right? White coat hypertension. Mm. Like, you've and heard this of that. is. Of course, you've I heard have of heard. That. Am I kidding? Yeah. Right. Explain, explain to the nice people what white coat hypertension is. 
Well, it's the idea that um, you know the, the it's context. The the fine doctor exactly. walks in yeah. with um with 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 her with her white lab coat, and um you you, you get these uh, increased blood pressure um purely, and we and we we had the exact same problem. Um, there was there was a few times that we actually had um one of our doctors come in take um take blood pressure. He he was he was wearing his white coat because he'd just come from rounds in uh, in, in neurology, and then sure. we had um high blood pressure. And we're like, gee. This is actually quite high, um, and then um, and then we're like, okay, let, let's just wait. You know, we'll wait for a bit. Wait, wait for ten minutes. He had to go right. off, um, and then one of our nurses came in and um, jeans and a, and a t-shirt did the thing. Mm. Completely different. Yep. Yeah. So not, it's, it's not uncommon. Um, it's uh, it's one of the, the 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 blood pressure variability. It's not as well studied as heart rate variability because it's much more difficult to access. The only real good way to get blood pressure variability over time is to open the person and put a, a pressure transducer into a major artery. Not something you can do in the absence of you know surgery. Mm. So you can. There are ways of non-invasively measuring blood pressure over time, but they're not amazing. If you've ever used one, it's fiddly. It does work, but it's fiddly. Uh, it's a. It's annoying. It's one of those. Uh, it's one of those neat technical tricks. It's been around for a very long time, but it hasn't become more popular because we've made very little progress on making it more popular. Um, most of the time, it's a, if you've ever done it, especially if you've ever done it in an exercise context, I would characterize it as a huge bleeding pain in the ass, frankly. Um, I've, I've had the opportunity to do it a few times. It's never been straightforward. It's always been irritating. So mm. blood pressure variability in the short term, blood pressure uh, is changing, obviously, in every heartbeat between systolic and diastolic pressure. But the, the space of those individual changes themselves are varying over time. Mm. as is mean arterial pressure. And into this background of variability, we put in our often single measurement of blood pressure uh, into an environment where people may be uncomfortable, they may be stressed, they may have recently exercised, so something unusual may have happened. And then you add to that the intrinsic variability and then the contextual variability. So I went to years ago, Ronald Shaw, there was a guy who was specifically studying this, not from a autonomic middle of the night writing papers for uh, journals that no one will read way that I like it, but in the sense of you've got to do a clinical consultation with someone. Let us do the measurement of the blood pressure to say whether or not they have basic facets of hypertension. He was recommending, it was somewhere between 7 and 13 individual measurements where he took the median to try and determine what someone's blood pressure was. No one's, people don't have time for that. That's not how modern healthcare works. You sit there going, okay, six. Another one. Okay, next one. I mean, if you were nervous of it by the start, on the 11th time, oh, I'm so bored. So, I mean, it would be interesting in a, it would be interesting from that perspective. It, it, it depends on how you define accuracy where you stop doing something like that. But it is very common to do three and to take the middle one. Mm. Uh, and recommendations for optimal, optimal measurement, obviously, go further than that. So one of the ways to kill all of this stuff, of course, is with every Swedish person in history. How much credence do you put in these results? 
the to to take away some of this stuff and the fact that this is such a cons- all-consuming kind of sample. Mm. Oh, I mean, it's it's impressive in the sense that you've um, it's 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 a lot of people say our study is representative of the population, but mm. this study, I mean, <laughs> is truly. Truly, truly representative. I think um, they, of course, they included people with severe disabilities. Um, yep. And um, they also, 5% of people don't rock up to their um, uh, to their conscription request. But so here you have... Five, that's quite a lot. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people, a lot of people don't do it. It's, it's the same thing here in Norway. Um, most people do, but some people just don't, don't do it. Um, Why do but, they not uh, go... It's like oh, I have no interest in being in the military. Cram it, or is it uh, I, I think I, th- I think people can can take the 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 pacifist route. I'm not sure if that's still happening nowadays, but I know historically that happened quite a lot. I know I know I know a lot of people personally that have done that. Actually, they've um they they they, they didn't do it um because they um uh, cited pacifism. Um, but anyway, I so you have. I can 90- see you taking the pacifist route. I wouldn't say you were an aggressive man. I I, I would absolutely do it. I I would have do, no qualms. It, it do do the one year um the one year service. Oh, but, would you? Yeah, if I was an eighteen year old, um, I would do. Okay. And a lot of my colleagues here. See, that's have, interesting because have... I've always had this fantasy about you getting shot. <laughs> they wouldn't send me anywhere. <laughs> but I, 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 lo- <laughs> I don't. I don't mean that. Who, who would who would interpret your statistics, James? Um, that's a very good question. <laughs> but a lot don't of a lot shot. of my. A lot of my colleagues here um, have have done it, but they um they they, they served um, as doctors or as psychologists within the military. Oh so, right, okay. Yeah, and a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, um, from from memory, you 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 are you are an officer if you do that. You don't have to. Uh, there's very little crawling through mud. Yeah, so there is that option. Basic, right? Or or you can do basic, and a lot of uh, uh, another one of my other colleagues, he put his hand up, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I, I just I just don't want to do." the other stuff and he's like, okay but do, do you want to take inventory in our storeroom all right and so he just uh he just read yeah. books and, and 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 did that so he still he was still serving the country he so still helped still helped so i suppose the whole the whole idea is that it has this participative aspect to it you know you know, you, you, yeah. you turn up you 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 do what is required of you by birthright and then um you split well my um my, my, my brother-in-law um he, he he absolutely loved his year in the military um oh, and he, he thought good. it was fantastic um and um uh yeah so a lot of people take that and um they uh they absolutely love it but we have a representative sample 95 percent of the population um did this thing which is <laughs> which is fantastic like that's, that's that's representative now all right so you can say does this generalize to swedish men well it is swedish men so yes it is it is literally swedish men <laughs> um so it's it's incredible. Super, super impressed. Um, and the other interesting thing was the um, the, the 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 lower heart rate when it came mm. to crimin- uh, criminality. Now, no, it's because not at all, un- it's not at all unusual. Well, it, it's it's replicating other stuff, but here we have a study on Swedish men, like literally yeah. Swedish men, and they found out that people with lower heart rates yes. are more likely to have criminality, which they measured, of course, using their wonderful using whether or not they did any crime. Yeah, which is and a it's super amazing. good way of measuring criminality by definition. Um, now, do, do you okay. know the rationale behind that? I, yes, because I've heard of um, it. There Go is, on. There is 
This is you can see this in children with uh, oppositional defiant disorder, with conduct disorder, with psychopathy, with sociopathy, with any construct that is related to any of those things. There is a fairly substantial proportion of people with all of those things who are hypo reactive. They have low baseline heart rates. They have low reactivity in experiments where they're supposed to be reactive. Uh, and this is b equally true for people at all ages from memory. So I think um, actually low heart rate, I think it was described once as the, 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 one of the single cardinal features of uh, oh, which disability was it? It's something in children. I can't specifically remember which one it was because I am getting old. Uh, but ah, a, a, a conduct related or a, a yeah, I uh, think it might have been conduct disorder. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so that's that's pretty that's pretty normal. That's just kind of that's expected. So I would expect that more readily than the really very alarmingly good prediction of OCD. Right from the side, mm. I can understand anxiety. People who have un, uh, who who come into a situation that's provoked, so that's not supposed to provoke anxiety, but probably would in a lot of people, and their heart rate going up in this environment predicted an anxiety disorder. Well, you know, you know that picture of the cat that says "whoop de fucking do," and is the cat <laughs> sort of rolling its eyes? Yeah, my people people in an anxiety provoking situation who appear to have one of the cardinal physiological components of anxiety. Uh, mm, yeah, yeah, I don't even need to finish the sentence. So but, but, but that makes sense, but the OCD result kicked the shit out of the anxiety result. The OCD was very strongly predictive compared to the others. Now, lifetime incidence of OCD is, I'm going to say it's about 1.5%. It's very close to that, and that's lifetime incidence. That's not, it, at this particular point in time, if you get 100 people, 1.5 of them will have obsessive compulsive disorder. No, at any point in time, having the like, cardinal hallmarks of it, lifetime one and a half percent that's not a lot of people at any given point in time because it depends on you know how long it lasts for whether it goes away etc so but one and a half percent of people will ever experience it which is also not i mean that's not like some rare genetic condition that's one in seven million live births that is a fair percentage of people especially a fair percentage of 1.7 million people Mm. And the prediction was what eighty percent increase or something? Seventy for that for that high, highest quintile, which which is yeah. like um, oof, I mean that that's when you're looking at all of Sweden, that's nothing to be sniffed at. Like it's 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 there. It's it's there's there's no doubt. Hmm. But what does it mean though? Like, uh, and yes, that's the thing that I thought. Exactly. Like, anxiety disorders. Yeah, sure. You, you can understand. Uh, there's that. a lot of comorbidity. There's a lot of comorbidity with anxiety disorders. Um, I think you get generalized anxiety and social phobia as well with OCD. Mm. Um, mm. So, I mean, look, the, 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 talking about the difference between these things as constructs is, is, is really hard. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that these things are often referred to as dyadic or triadic conditions, as in, if you get a bit of that one, you're going to have a bit of this one. It's not a thing. Mm. Depression's not like having the clap. Where we go, ooh, ooh, you've got the thing because we measured the presence or absence of the thing. It's not like having antibodies to the herpes simplex virus. They're there or they're not. Oh, that's at a certain degree, etc. You're talking about you, you, you divvy up people's 
different different amounts of certain behavioral things that they describe, and they make it past a threshold that we define in terms of talking to the hundreds of thousands of other people, mm. and then you say you've got the thing. So I mean, like eating. Imagine an eating disorder without depression, anxiety, or stress. Super rare. Yeah. Really, really uncommon. Uh, imagine OCD without any component of anxiety. Super rare again. <laughs> ne- never, never mind, mate. Just washing my hands one more time. Be with you in a minute. Doesn't happen. In- incredibly it rare. It doesn't happen. These things have uh, have components of each other. It's because we have the 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 way that they're defined, how they're understood, their construct validity is really slippery. So, now, is it because I- that the OCD? crosses over with not just sort of ooh i'm a bit anxious but proper actual serious anxiety disorder disorders well they 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 had a look at it they had a look at it and they found that removing the people with comorbid diagnoses uh Mm. didn't change things too much but now it's it's super important to realize yeah but but, but, um, but, uh, comorbid like 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 comorbid uh if you've got something and you're being yes. treated for it, and it has components of another thing. They very rarely feel the need to go. Oh, so you've got OCD, and you are the, the home, one of the hormones of having OCD is obviously a lot of contacts having anxiety. They don't go. Oh, you've also got the anxiety disorders as well. No, a, a good screen will pick that up. If you do a good screen, you'll actually say you fulfill criteria for this, and you fulfill criteria for that. It doesn't matter okay. if there's crossover or not. Yeah, that, 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 that's how it is. You either you, you do or you don't, and of course these things cross over. But when they actually excluded these these comorbidities, they found similar results. But what's important to recognise is that these things are on a continuum, and this is the very yes. reason why yes. we actually right. we actually found this. So you have these people who are any explicit psychiatric disorders were ruled out. So these people never actually got the assessment in the first place. However, um, uh, con- that is a good point. That I'm is convinced. A good point. I'm convinced. Not just an that- unpretty face. <laughs> I'm convinced that there was a whole lot of subclinical um, uh, symptoms sure. going on. Yep. So people with subclinical anxiety, subclinical OCD are going in there. They're, they're 17. They're untrammeled by the, the stresses of the world. And then as they get oh, older God. and become adults, then, then, they, then they develop these things. And so it was there already um, and because it's not a continuum. And then, bam, later in life, they switch across. Hmm. And this is something which, I which see your the, perspective. And w- w- this is something which the, the authors um, correctly recognise that hmm. um, there, yeah, there's every opportunity that these people actually had uh, subclinical levels of these disorders. Um, they, yes. they they don't they don't unless I've completely missed it. They don't actually mention the whole uh, the, the the lab coat phenomenon or just this the situational. I'm going in. I'm doing the stressful thing. You know, this was two days of testing, mind you. So two days yeah. of medicals, and um, you know, yeah, you got you got you got the hospital gown on and uh, the yeah, electrodes on your chest and, and a thermometer and... up your ass, and you're sitting around going, <laughs> "When's this going to be over? When do I get a when do I get green skivvies and a gun? This is bullshit." <laughs> and so you have, you have that situation there. Um, so I mean, yeah, there, there's there's obviously that thing um, of this um, underlying OCD or anxiety. Um, which was there. And the other interesting thing is um, compared to other psychiatric disorders, OCD and anxiety tend to have quite an earlier onset compared to other psychiatric illnesses. Okay. So uh, schizophrenia has a relatively early onset. Depression is a little bit later. But OCD and most anxiety disorders tend to be 
in in late childhood in in many circumstances but early adolescence right so it was already perhaps it was already there a little bit these are 18 um these participants are 18 and um and then you have you have these tests there but i mean no, no, no matter what we have this incredible representative sample size we have this clear association um the um between heart rate and um and, and blood pressure and the effect sizes for the resting heart rate was actually similar to the effect sizes that you see when people have collected uh resting heart rate looking at the development of future cardiovascular yep. disease as well yep. so that's well, yeah, um, yeah yeah that's that's not surprising because you'd be surprised how <sighs> obviously heart function stuff goes a lot deeper than heart rate so yeah, yeah but i mean it's yeah. not that's not super surprising when you have to say like oh you, you'd expect that to be more predictive i go yeah well the, the reason is like the, this is this is a slightly better predictor than you might imagine of psychiatric disorders and yep. straight up heart rate is a slightly worse predictor than you might imagine of cardiovascular disorders obviously it's involved or it, you know it wouldn't work at all mm-hmm. so that, that's, but, that's uh, impressive yeah, it is, it is some. It is. It is that, uh, that it's comparable with the, with the prediction of cardiovascular disease. That it's comparable. That's that. That's really cool. Um, but uh, and yeah, and and they admit themselves going. You know what? Uh, resting heart rate isn't the best. The best measure of of cardiac autonomic activity. Well, of course. No, of course and not. they even and they that's said, right. you know, if if we only had HRV now, I've actually heard that for a sub a much much smaller, but still, when you consider smaller in this context. We're talking hundreds of thousands, but they actually do have the ECGs for quite a lot of these people. Yeah, yeah. James is looking at me. I can just, I can just see the whites of his eyes. It's, it's there. Um, particularly for are the they ECG. rhythm strips or are they full? I'm assuming. Well, I'm, I'm assuming they're thinking they're rhythm strips. But even second evaluations, which which is not, which is pretty good. So you have these rhythm it's strips. Pretty but, good. Are they digitized? Yeah, that that that's the question. From from what my understanding is, they actually do have rhythm strips or some form of ECG from the more recent um, sessions. Um, uh, you know, the the, the two thousands. if that's the case, then ah, uh, then they probably you'd hope they were digitized because at least they're yeah. saved in a file before they're printed because doctors love to see stuff printed out and touch the paper. I think they've always yeah. kind of tactile problem. So that they have, I'm, I'm a little birdie has told me they actually do have access to these things. So I'm assuming. Oh, I have I'm data ass- jealousy. Uh, the things you can do with that, you know, okay. uh, be- be- Before why we um, do I live in this filthy country? Before we uh, before we finish up with the episode, I'm going to ask you a question. Say you oh, did, great. Say you did have the ECGs for yes. um for. A twenty percent subset, so two hundred thousand people of Sweden, of Norway, of Denmark, wherever. What yes. would you do? Oh man. <laughs> um, is it? Is, is it? I'm assuming it's multi-lead. Multi lead. You've got yeah, multi lead. Um, we'll go realistic. Do you have, Thirty do you seconds. Have health, do you have health data later on? Health data, same sort of stuff. Did this person develop this disease? Uh, are they oh, criminals? God. You um, have you have so many you have so many possible predictions. Oh, there's been a few results recently. Let's just start at the front of the ECG. Um, <laughs> the P wave P wave morphology is less set than people think it is. You think people the the ECG has a, a series of 
components that you, everyone recognizes it from the graphic on the side of ambulance. There's a little blip, and then there's a thing, and it goes down, and then it it, it shoots all the way up, which is the actual uh, the electrical uh, signal behind the ventricular contraction and then it comes back down and then there's another bump at the end um, every single one of these has potential in an environment like this um, the obesity uh, and vascular health and uh, look even just start from the beginning um, problems with uh, electrocardiographic problems with the atria that don't kill you something that we can uh, understand and treat and uh, do, do something about and then kick you out and then make sure you don't die prematurely. Uh, atrial conditions are really good for that. Mm. So there are an, there's an enormous amount of interest in uh, historically in how what you, what your atrial signal, the P wave and the, 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 the PR interval actually look like. I saw a paper literally yesterday on this that was a Polish-Norwegian collaboration thing. Um, I could I dig it up. I could, dig, I could I could dig it up if necessary, and it's you can you can find. It's, you're not talking about a, when you're doing something like this. You're not talking about a disparate association anymore. Because I assume if we've got health data, shit like that, yes, hmm. we're now talking. We're now saying you have a future electrocardiographic problem. You have a specific problem with the electricity of your heart working in the right way. And if you now have, if you have uh, two hundred thousand people to start with, I mean, a good a good community health sort of paper that was done with a smartphone. I, I knew this researcher in Sydney. Um, they managed to find something between sixty to eighty cases of atrial fibrillation doing community screening in uh, in in pharmacies. So they found a, a reasonably small, uh, a, a few, a, a few percent of their catchment, which was a, a thousand or so. So that's undiagnosed disorders that we can treat, that we can save money on, that we can stop people from dying and making their children cry um, from from a thousand people. You have that kind of leverage when you have a hundred thousand people and all the little cardinal features of what actually happens to them, especially the cardinal features of what happens to people at a young age where it becomes predictive like this. It's, ah, you shouldn't ask me about this on the podcast because <laughs> I've, I want to get specific and annoying. And these people are just, uh, are, are wilting under the weight of me saying rubbish now. Um, but you, you'll a, take a, a a, a detailed look at the um the uh the the, the p wave everything just to to start with you could finally um there's been so much uh the uh, qt dispersion there's been so many arguments about whether or not this actually works this is the the but basically the repolarization time of uh, how long the heart takes to reset Mm. There's two there's two ways of thinking on this. So some people say it's a great idea and it actually works, and some people, of which I am one, say that it's a big pile of shit. And the morphology of your T wave depends on too many other things to be a reliable indicator. Well, here's your chance. Here's your chance, kids. It. Yeah. Like, what is it? What does it predict? Is there is there anything? Uh, is there anything in this sample of? Uh, assume these people are the same age. This is how I'm imagining. It's a sample of a sample of relatively young people. Do you find any yeah. abnormalities in that? Um, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm confusing the QT interval and QT dispersion. No one, I know what I'm talking about. Don't 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 write emails about this. This is Dan's got <laughs> Dan's got me excited, and I had to 
switch from talking normally to research questions I want to ask. And it always <laughs> it turns me into a stuttering wreck if I have to do it without sitting down to think about it. Uh, which I don't mind because it's a really exciting question. Um, so this, this is this is also Sweden. This potential data. Ah, mm. oh, that's so cool! You bastards and your actual infrastructure and money oh, and ability to answer questions. It's incredible. And, and now here in Norway, we're at, we're we're trying to we're aiming towards collecting one um, percent of the population's uh, genomes. Good lord! Get getting get getting blood and um and and characterizing that, and then we can link that. With the with the registries when it comes to who's going to prison, imagine that the criminal gene. Think think of the oh, headlines. Oh, yeah, I can just imagine the the Daily Mail getting their hands on that. Yeah, the, this is this is why because if you open this thing, published by the medical correspondent for the Daily Mail, I will resist remarking on that. This is from the right hand side column of that. Um. I'd rather have 20 kidney stones. Peter Andre compares labor pains to being hit with a sledgehammer as he gives birth on loose women. Ooh la bra, Bella Hadid flashes her lingerie in a sheer black top and thigh-skimming skirt as she steps out in Paris. Where the fuck do these adjectives come? No one has ever ref- a, a thigh-skimming skirts? Are you? They're just making up words here. You're and just, Peter that's, Andre. That's Peter not Andre a news. Thing. Oh, this, this is yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Peter Andre news. Um, that's a, a thing. That is actually interesting. They put a, a EMS across your stomach and they turn it up the whole way until they think it's approximately the same as labor contractions. <laughs> and they, they did it to Peter Andre. That'll teach you. That'll teach you <laughs> to walk around mailing all over the place. That'll get you sorted <laughs> right out. No, it's it's uh, it's it's full on. I mean, if you, I've put EM, obviously I have uh, EMS. I've had I have my second EMS unit that I've owned is in this house. Um, if you turn that up a long way, uh, if you want a cramp, if you want the full experience of a cramp, it can not, it can do nice. it. Yeah, it's also that obviously someone on a television show is artificially inducing cramps in Peter Andre as one does of a Tuesday. Um, so that's the, I mean, you, it, I, I know you're supposed to judge everything on its merits and, you know, there is actually someone who's called a medical respondent writing the story, but when that's in your sidebar, I think your paper should fuck off and I can't take it seriously. <laughs> but the important thing is, um, With people your are talking skimming skirts, pe- people are talking psychophysiology again. This is good. I was excited. Who specifically is doing that. Well, we 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 have uh, we have a publication on psychophysiology in in the lens of psychiatry, yeah, which is, no, which that is, is great. No, that is that is true, I suppose. That that is I exciting, and people because I've actually heard um I heard one prominent researcher here in Norway refer to mm-hmm. HRV as the poor man's MRI. <laughs> If you can't afford MRI, oh, this is this is this is no one in my no no one in my center for, for any, for any locals is. listening. So uh, I feel no comp- I feel no sort of a hesitation before saying that is the dumbest fucking sentence <laughs> I have heard in in a, in a while, and I've I've wow. If your perspective is, oh, if you don't have enough money to go out and manufacture results with the really fancy stuff, then you have to use this shit. Well, look, if you don't know what you're doing, um, and you said some very rude words about psychologists before we started the podcast, 
Um, <laughs> the, the only thing that I would change about all of the, your, your opinions, which is I think most people can probably guess by now, is to update all of them uh, to language that's a little bit more 2016. So it's very similarly rude. As you're obviously out of practice. So you're surrounded by polite people, which is probably bad for you. Um, yeah, look, that's um, that's stupid. And uh, whoever said that hasn't the faintest fucking idea what they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so it's if they don't work differently, address different populations, have different concerns, answer different questions, uh, relate to... They're, they're completely different. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like it's like saying, "Oh, this I've got an IKEA lamp here." It's like saying, "Oh, this IKEA lamp is a poor man's bicycle." Oh, okay, fuck yourself. It's dribble. Yeah, it's it's completely different. So yeah, but unfortunately, that that is the uh, the 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 idea uh, a lot of people think think towards those lines that um, because it's simple, because it's easy, and because a lot of people can collect it, it mustn't mm. be a good thing. So this is nice to see. Oh, but a lot um, of the time it's not. I mean, I understand the perspective. There's a lot of yeah. people doing research that are, are, are you know. I'm going to take a heart rate. And I hit it with a, <laughs> hit it with a crowbar for a while and then go there, publish that. And if you think it's bad in um if you think it's bad in uh psychology, you should broaden out into some of the worst medical science and exercise science journals. <laughs> I find I don't out how many, how many people who think background reading is looking at a bus schedule on the side of the <laughs> I do, I do when I do get the heart rate variability uh Google scholar alerts, you do get some very interesting things. Oh, pop up on the old feed it's a fire hose of shite you just have to you have to part. wait you have to wade through it and um hopefully get something good but we are going to wrap it up for today thank you for listening uh thank you for for your tweets um we we had a um i think it was uh at neuro tweets i may have got it wrong um which was one of those great accounts where they share the the curator from uh from week to week and they talk about you know their their uh, experiences in their own lab, um, and um, the the curator was uh, was was one of the uh, longtime listeners of the show, um, Anne Urai, and uh, she was curating this week, and she gave a shout out to the podcast. So thank you, Anne. Uh, You're nice, Anne. We like you. Yeah, we do. We're, we 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 do like you. And uh, yeah, so we 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 appreciate support like that. And uh, yeah, keep sending us ideas uh, for episodes. We have had some ideas coming through, and we will we will get round to them. Uh, so if you have sent those ideas just uh, sit tight we will do that but continue sending your ideas through and uh, give us suggestions uh, sign up to our become a fan on our Facebook page search Everything Hurts Podcast you can also follow us on Twitter if you already don't at Hurts Podcast and you can send us an email uh, at everythinghurtspodcast at gmail.com and uh, next time I think we'll do a there's a Tumblr called Research Realities, which is uh, oh. the most depressing thing I've ever read in my life. So I think next time we'll have a good cry. How about that? Let's tackle that. <laughs> See you Good. later. Till then. Bye-bye. <laughs>